I want to welcome everybody to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group Thursday Night Alcoholics and God Speaker Step Series. And I've got Chris giving us our joke tonight. Is he here? I go by Chris sometimes, but uh, most days it's Tyler. Uh, Tyler, and I'm an alcoholic. Good evening. All right, let's see. Uh, here's a joke. One night, an AA got a call from a pigeon who, sa- who said in antagonized tone that he was on the verge of taking a drink. Don't do it until I get there, the AA commanded, and then drove like mad to the champ's house and rang the bell. Door opened, and the quivering drunk gasped. Thank God you're here. Then he gulped down the drink he'd been holding in his hand. The end. <laughs> They, they don't laugh too much. They don't laugh too much. Thanks, thanks, Tyler. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Guy. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us tonight. In a minute, we're going to start our two-minute, two-minute meditation. So please take a moment. Get situated. Turn off all those noise-making devices that will distract others. Time to let connected with God and let the craziness of the day just drift away. And ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. Is everybody ready? All right. 
So let's get started with that meditation. I'd like you to lead in the fog light prayer with me. God, let your love shine through me like a fog light so that those who are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. There is a solution from the big book, page 17. The tremendous fact is for every one of us that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out of which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who still suffer from alcoholism. And I've asked Brian to read the appendix to the spiritual experience. Thanks, Brian. My name is Brian. I'm an alcoholic. Spiritual experience. The terms spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in the book, which, upon careful reading, shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism may manifest itself among us in many forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences may be in the nature of sudden or spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, This conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nonetheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God-conscious. 
followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, throughout, though frequent, are not meant to be rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety. Because they develop slowly over a period of time, quite often friends of the newcomer are aware of a difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change would hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unexpected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awakening of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that an alcoholic capable of honest facing this, his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerant or belligerent denial. We find that no one needs have difficulty with the spirituality of the, this program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all argument, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance that principle is the concept prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer. Thank you, Brian. Okay, please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting down. This is a tech-free meeting, so let your phones be off. Airplane mode. And let's get ready to invite our speaker tonight. She was here last week. She's coming next week. Uh, she does a great message, Karina D. Hi, family. My name is Karina D. I'm a recovered alcoholic. I'd like to start off by saying that God is good all the time, even when I don't think so. And um, I was very eager to get here tonight. Um, I was running a little bit late, but um, I'm glad I was not late. Um, that's one of my uh, character defects in that misperfectionism. I have to be either very early or on time. If I'm late, I go out of my mind. So I'm very glad that that didn't happen to me. But um, So um, my sober date is December 26, 2001. And for that, I'm forever grateful. Um, last week, I touched on steps one, two, and three, and um, I'm charged with the task of getting all 12 steps into three weeks, and, you know, that's a tall order, but I'll go through with it. Um, so tonight, my prayer is that I get through um, steps four through eight. I'm going to try to do that. Um, 
And, you know, there's not going to be too much for storytelling, so I'll get into it um, as quickly as possible. Thank you, Guy. Appreciate that. So last week I left off saying that um, in my third step decision and this new uh, covenant that I had made with God, this eternal spiritual agreement, you know, this prayer that, um, you know, I would be relieved of the bondage of self, you know, if he would do that for me. My promise is, is that I would stick close to him and perform his work well. And so, you know, I have really uh, been doing my best to do that since then. And um, prayer is a gift of God. You know, we get to communicate with God. And one of my old ideas about prayer, about religion, about anything spiritual, was that um, talking to God was a privilege that was for priests or rabbis or men of the cloth. I did not know, but prior to um, being delivered into Alcoholics Anonymous, that I could make the approach to God. You know, so it was very comforting to know that I could, and it could be at a very low level, a very fundamental level, which is willingness. And in my uh, walk in AA, presently also, uh, the spirit of willingness is really the key ingredient that really helps these steps to remain cohesive for me and help me to practice. With the, the, the more willingness that, that I have, um, I tend to have a very sweeter surrender, right? And so um, prayer is an act of the will. And I didn't know that. But it's being willful when we're praying, but it's a good act of the will, right? And so I, I learned to practice that. So I pick up the pen, and, you know, I really did not understand what was happening to me while I was doing that, but I had this willingness to, you know, I, I remember, you know, uh, circling the drain in AA for like 16 months, and, you know, and that last drink, the things that I heard in that 16 months was three things. One was get a sponsor, which I was very defiant to do, but I ultimately knew that I had to, and two was if I did the steps, that I would be okay, and really that's all I ever wanted to be was okay. And the third thing was to do a 90 and 90. Now, that's nowhere in our textbook of Alcoholics Anonymous, but I think that it was a really good idea. The only trap that I fell into was that I thought if I didn't do all 90 and 90 that I'd be a failure and that I, would, that I had the idea that I was going to drink again if I didn't do the 90 and 90. And through the grace of God, that did not happen. But in the middle of that 90 and 90, I met my new sponsor, so the first sponsor was a woman that just assigned herself my sponsor, which I was very, very grateful for. We had not gone through the textbook, um, but she kind of, you know, she gave me the introduction to AA and introduced me to people that she knew, and just having a somebody was enough to get me going to the meetings I was accountable. She had seven children, and anyway, she moved away. So during the 90 and 90, I got my new sponsor. Her name was Nancy. And Nancy, I met her facilitating a meeting, a a big book study. And what Nancy had that I was uh, interested or attracted to was her spirit. She had bright, shiny eyes. I now know that to be God, the spirit of God in her. 
And uh, at the end of the meeting, boy, I really found out what you guys, I was like, I knew what it was like to be a guy for the first time in my life. Because, you know, I'm going to risk being rejected going up to this person. I felt like I was going to ask, you know, if I could go out on a date or something, right? But I was willing to because I knew that something had to change in my life where I was going to die. And the textbook of Alcoholics Anonymous tells us um, why we're doing this inventory, right? Um, and there's a couple of death threats in there, you know. And, you know, one of them tells us that I have to get rid of this selfishness and self-centeredness or it's going to kill me. And I have a body of evidence that has proof to that. You know, even though I read it, even though I'm reading it, that's not the only thing that is um, pushing me into this fourth step. It is this body of evidence, the facts are clear that I can no longer run my life, right? So um, this third step, well, the, the first three steps, there's principles behind each step. So we have honesty, hope, and faith. So my honesty, really, be, by being honest, that first step segues into that there is a hope that I, that I can change and, and something can help me, something outside myself can help me. That was my sponsor, um, and, um, and I also needed psychiatry. I, 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 was seeing, I sought uh, psychiatric help uh, for two years in my early recovery uh, because I was a shattered person. I really was dead behind my eyes. Every area of my life was completely broken. I had men issues, food issues, money issues, and a really bad drinking problem. Right. And um, and I, you know, this person, the psychiatrist was the person that helped me to be honest with one human being. Like I would compartmental my compartment, compartment, I can't say it. I'd put everything in little boxes <laughs> right? um, with different individuals. I was never completely and wholly honest with one person. But I was able to do that with my psychiatrist. I, I, I trusted her. And, um, you know, that was the grace of God. And that helped me to now become honest with my new sponsor, which was the woman that would ultimately take me through these steps. And so we got busy real quick. She, her line of uh, teaching came from Joe and Charlie. And uh, she was a purist. Everything, you know, the way that the directions are re- written in the book, that's exactly the way that we went through it. And, um, you know, this big book is a bag of seed. And, you know, I'm so, so grateful for that. You know, uh, steps one, two, and three. So, you know, the honesty is going to propel me into hope and the hope is going to get me into faith and my faith matures into courage and the courage to pick up that pen and face the truth and God for the first time, to stand face to face with my demons and face to face with God and um, to really disrobe myself and become naked as the first time that I met my father, right? And... um, you know, I, I wasn't afraid, honestly. The fourth step, I was not afraid because this apparatus was just constantly going. It was um, harassing me. It was a tyrant. And for me, it was like, let me get all of this stuff out. This story is a bad rerun. You know, I was in a, caught in a loop for 30 years. You know, it just I would regurgitate these stories, these deep, deep resentments that I had. And um, in this fourth step, it was, you know, the... Uh, likely suspects, your mom, dad, um, I had uh, ex-husband, I had uh, brother, sister, ex-boss, a couple of ex-boyfriends, and um, I would get to see, uh, you know, I would get rapid relief from this step, 
That's for sure. You'll get rapid relief, but that's not what we're looking for. Right? We're looking for recovery. So, um, you know, I, I get this willingness from God because I know I had no power to do this fourth step. Um, and it was God's grace all over this. Um, at that time, uh, I, I was working, I was a server, and just around the time I started doing this fourth step, as God would have it, I had to have a shoulder operation. So I was unwilling, I, not unwilling, I was unable to work, which was wonderful because I had you know, a lot of time to sit and reflect. And um, you know, the pen, for me, um, I'm a writer and I love to write, and this just really uh, worked very well with my nature. And, uh, you know, the pen, it was like going down a dark road, like a pitch black road. You know, you really don't get to see anything until it's out. You know, everything gets revealed after the fact, right? And I remember halfway through this fourth step, I I called my sponsor and I, I was like, there's something wrong. Like, it just... It keeps saying selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, like, I'm doing something wrong. She said, nope, you're on target. Keep going, right? And, um, you know, that was a, a healthy dose. You know, I call it the rude awakening. I actually met myself for the very first time, but it was my small self. It was the false self. It was the self that I had created. Um, and I could see, you know, I remember I used to talk a lot to people before I got into recovery about it. I keep, you know, picking these guys, you know, these partners, like they're, they're, there's something, they all, they're all, there's something wrong with all of them. There's something wrong, you know, this, they all have these same traits. And when I saw, got to see in the fourth step, the common denominator was me. You know, I could have just, it was like a Ken doll. I could have just popped the head off one and put it on another, you know, because all of it was, this dishonesty, like I could not, I was unable to be honest in the relationship in the way of really revealing myself, saying, when you say something like this, that hurts me. I could never say that. Like, I can't let you know that you hurt me. Like, my ego is too big for that. I can't say that, you know, when, when, you, when we're in mixed company and you give someone a kiss on the cheek a little longer than I'd like, that makes me feel jealous. Like, I can't say that. I can't give you that power, right? But I see all of this in the fourth step. And um, for me, it was, it was very ugly and uh, very unattractive, but it was truth, right? And so um, this third step, I'm going to kind of go back to that, really prepares me for a posture that I'm going to have. And I become a receiver in that third step. So I have this spiritual antenna. And that's really what's going on during this fourth step. You know, it's reflective. I remember I would go to the place, that my home that I was living in at the time, there was a lot of traffic. It was a big Italian family. And, you know, I, I was a caregiver at that time. And I knew that this was very, very important. And so I would go, Dunkin' Donuts was my office. So I would go there and I would sit in the back there and I would spend sometimes 45 minutes and do a little bit of writing. And I just chipped away at it. And, um, you know, I'm very grateful that um, I was able to, with God's help, uncover and discover the truth about Karina. Um, So on this grudge list, the top of the list was my mom. And, um, you know, second column, I've been living in that second column for, as I said, probably more than 30 years. And, um, you know, 
mentally, uh, mentally, physically, spiritually abused me, you know, and in the column where, you know, the instincts, what instincts got affected, all of them. You know, we all want to be somebody, have somebody, and have our needs met. And the lens to which I was looking was completely distorted, you know, and um, I, there was no way that I would be able to see the, the, the real truth. I was getting glimpses of it while I was writing, but when I got to, you know, mom being on the top of the list, I had to skip that a little bit. It is the way that my sponsor, my first sponsor had me do it when we do the turnaround, putting, the, putting out of our minds anything that anyone has done. Their, their um, defects of character might be glaring, but this inventory isn't theirs, it's mine. I'm the one that wants to get well, right? So I'm supposed to do that. And the way she had me do it was, where was I selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and afraid? Well, I really couldn't get past, you know, alcoholism touched my life when I was three years old. Um, one of my mother's boyfriends, uh, I, I learned this when I was 30. I didn't know he was an alcoholic. But he took me when I was three years old, and he put me in a hot tub of water. And he left me to die there. I had third-degree burns on my feet. And this is my third time learning how to walk. But he left me there to die. And... Um, I somehow got out. I got out, and the ambulance came. I, I was in the hospital. I went through skin grafting, and for almost a year, there was a whole lot of stuff that went on. Out of that, I was not ever, and still to this day I'm not, and I don't know why, I never had a resentment towards that guy. I laid all of my anger on my mother because my old idea was mothers are supposed to protect their children, and I never saw him get in trouble um, none of that kind of stuff. But if I drop a spoon or if I do something, you know, very small, I'm getting beat or punished. Well, why didn't she punish this guy? And I translated that into my mother doesn't love me and she's a bad mother. And so that kind of just grew as time went on. So um, anyway, I couldn't do that, so I had to skip. So sometimes, you know, in this inventory, if you can't get past a certain thing, you could just skip and then continue and go through the process. Um, and so what happened to me during this process, and it is a process, and really that's where a lot of my, um, my faith lied in, that it was a process. I was trusting the process. I don't know that I had so much trust in a God I fully didn't understand. Right, And so I was trusting that uh, my sponsor had gone through it and, and she looked very healthy and happy and that was attractive. And so, but what I did get to see after going through the inventories, and there were three inventories. We got the resentment inventory, the fear inventory, and the sex conduct inventory. And what I got to see through that definitely was chunks of truth about myself, who I really was and not who I thought I was. But I started to go from anger, it's, it was switching as, I, as, the, as the pen kept writing from anger to compassion. And I was able to see that, you know, instead of the differences between me and the people I was writing about, there were a lot of similarities. And that if I wanted forgiveness, that I would, would try to give these people forgiveness. And we do have a prayer for that, and it's on page 67. And basically, it's asking God to save me from being angry. And my sponsor had me have that on an index card and recite that before I picked up the pen each time. And um, as I said, I did get a lot of relief from that. The fifth step, I was very afraid of because 
now I'm, you know, I'm in relationship with this person. Um, she has a life. Um, she had a good life, and I, I, uh, I revered her. And I did not want to show her the ugly. But it was time. It was time to pull back the curtain and take off the mask, right? You know, and I had done it in the fourth step with my father. So, you know, there was a lot of prayer around that. And, you know, I, I, I didn't want to tell her a couple of the ugly things. And like most of us, you know, we want to hold on to that thing that we're going to take to the grave, you know, and um, through the grace of God at the final, at the very last portion of that fifth step, I ended up telling her what the horrible thing was. And what the horrible thing was for me was that I had gotten, I, I was date raped a couple of times. And uh, to me, that was just something that was so, I was filled with shame about that. And um, I hadn't written it down, but we were able to do a fourth and a fifth verbally. And we talked through a lot of that stuff. And, um, you know, the fifth step, um, you know, this disrobing before God and becoming naked again, um, you know, and just being reintroduced with God, he gave me back my humanity. We're 99% spiritual and 1% physical. I realized at some point when I had gone home for that hour that I had went back to my first love, that I had known God before, and that's what I had been searching for, and that's why I had that restless, irritable, and discontented feeling in my soul, and that's what I was looking for. And God gave me that. When I shared that with my sponsor, that thing that was so shameful, and guilt, they were, they were together. Because if I wasn't doing what I was doing, then I would have never got date raped, right? And I deserved everything I got, and that was an old idea, right? But she looked me in the eye and she said, me too. And I felt like I took a breath for the first time in my life. For up until that point, I felt like there was a boot on my back. I couldn't move. I was paralyzed with guilt and shame and fear. So we finished our fifth step. You know, she was this soul detective, you know, and I'm so grateful that she was able, you know, she had been down the block before me and she had been through quite a few fifth steps and she had a good ear and she knew the right questions to ask to draw it out of me. And, um, and with the help of God, you know, we did that. And so, you know, I, learn, I have learned, you know, I've gotten more from the fifth steps that I hear than the actual fifth step that I did. And the ones that I hear, you know, I'm really just a witness. I'm a screen. The fifth step is between you and God, right? I'm just really listening in. I'm kind of eavesdropping, you know, and I get to witness and I get to see sometimes spiritual awakenings right before my eyes. You know, and that, that really, that's, um, can't get that. That's priceless. That's a priceless thing. So, yeah, I'd been hiding because of my guilt and shame. You know, Adam and Eve did it, so I'm not alone, right? 
can't hide from God. There isn't anything that God has not seen or heard. And I found too also, you know, as I became conscious in that hour, that God was in the back, in the dark, in the corner. I just wasn't conscious of it. He never left me. He jumps into our circumstances. And I'm so grateful that he gave me all of these, like, just little awakenings. And so I, she, she gave me uh, the uh, direction to just look at, in my textbook, in my, uh, in my binder where I had done all of my fourth step, just look at what mistakes did I make with God in that hour, during that hour. And really sit back and look at all the first five proposals. Are all the stones properly in place? Did I leave anything out? And um, I felt comfortable that I didn't. But she said, if there's anything that you forgot or anything like that, I'm going to go to my Taekwondo class. I'll be back. Because we've done um, five, six, and seven all in one evening. So be prepared for a long talk. Right? And it's good because there's a spiritual momentum that has to happen. Um, I, I don't let go of my girls. I don't let go of the girls that I get to work with. We go through it like that. I don't care how long it takes. God don't wear a watch. And so, you know, I'm in for the long haul. I have a, a spare bedroom. If they need to stay over, that's fine by me. You know, we're in it. We're in it together. And um, it's a beautiful thing when you're seen, when someone can see you, you know, and you feel relevant. And that was really all I ever wanted to be, relevant. You know, and um, and so I get a look, I get a real gander at Karina, you know, and all the things that I did that were distasteful, left an aftertaste in my mouth for sure. And who wouldn't want these things gone, right? And it tells us this sixth step, and you know, it's only one little tiny paragraph, you know. And I think I would like to read it on page seventy-six. How it is, how it's read. Uh, I, you know, I uh, I read it with my sponsor, and we went over some of it. I fully did not understand the mechanics of six and seven, and I almost died out there. So I'm just going to give you the first wash through, and then I'm going to go back quickly, briefly, for what happened to me from not practicing six and seven, which is the backbone of my sobriety today. But the way that it reads in the text is if, you, if we can answer to our satisfaction, I'm sitting alone with God, so our satisfaction is me and God. We then look at step six. We have emphasized willingness as being indispensable. That means absolutely necessary. Are we now ready, spiritually ready? Because physically, yeah, I'm ready. What is it? I don't want this. Okay? But are you spiritually ready? To let God remove from us all the things which we have admitted are objectionable. Well, there was a lot of stuff in there that was distasteful. And there, I, w- I still had a very bad stealing habit. It was, if not, it was a, a compulsive and obsessive as the drink, if not worse. So just because I was doing this work doesn't mean that it's all going to go away. There's work to be done. Right? And I was still stealing while I was in this. had a compulsion to do that. And um, it was objectionable. But I was too afraid to let it go. 
Right? I'd been doing it. I'd been practicing it. I had not connected the dots. But the 15 months when I was relieved of the obsession to drink, very soon thereafter, I picked up stealing. I did not know it then, but I know it now that I was treating my alcoholism by stealing thousands of dollars a day in food stores and clothing stores. And I did not have to. The person that I lived with was filthy rich and worshipped the ground that I walked on. I later saw in the inventories that I was not enough. Therefore, I stole to bring something to the relationship. There was a whole lot of stuff to unknit in that, in in other inventories. I'm just giving you the first wash through. And so... I have to be ready, spiritually ready, to let God remove. I'm not the remover. God's the remover. I have to be willing. So it says, can he now take them all? And then there's a little dash, everyone. If we still cling, here's our prayer. And I was still clinging. If we still cling to something we will not let go, we ask God to help us be willing. That prayer really works. Right? So I'll just share a little bit about that sixth step. So my sponsor came back. We read it. And I wasn't going to see her. And well, we, we knelt down and we said a seven-step prayer. But I just want to briefly talk about that sixth step. In that I had a week before I was going to see her. And I told you I was still still. I would wake up and that was the first thing I thought of. As soon as I was conscious. Where, when, and how. But I didn't want to do that anymore. I really wanted to change. I did not say the seven-step prayer. And I did not say, God, help me to be willing. But what I did use was the serenity prayer. And I was the homemaker of the home, so I had to go to Pathmark every day, which was my stealing ground. I would literally go in the store, take all kinds of high-end stuff, and walk out with a cart this high, with bags in my trunk, go to my trunk, throw everything in the trunk, go to another place, pack them in, and then bring them in the house as if I bought them. And I did this endlessly. So I did not want to do that anymore. And when I got into the supermarket, this went on for two months with me. I would go in and I would start the serenity prayer and I would get a physical urge to steal. Well, week went by, I was still stealing, not as much. And by the two-month marker, just to cut it in half, by the two-month marker, I got out of path mark without stealing, using that serenity prayer. Sometimes I would get halfway through, and I'd steal like two items, right? And then finally I got out of the store. And I remember the day that I did it. And this is where the sixth step and the seventh step came true for me in my heart, not in my mind. When I got out of that store and I did not steal anything, I physically fell to my knees in the parking lot right out of the doors and I wept and I thought, there is a God. Because I know I had no power to not steal. I knew I had no power to stop drinking and yet there I was. And like Ebby said, like Ebby said to Bill, that like a scrap heap, the restorative, the regeneration of God, right? And... Um, That was how I did the practice of step six um, in early recovery. I was using that serenity prayer. Um, Step seven reads, when ready, spiritually ready, we say something like this. 
My creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. If God gets the victory, because there's many times in my life, many times in my life, people will be like, how did you do that? And I'll go, he gets the glory and he deserves the glory, all of it. But he also gets the failures. God won't have that. God always, if there's one thing I know about my God, he always makes good out of bad. So I have to cash it all in. It would be really um, abusive if I said to myself, which I did in my early physical recovery of my leg, that leg is a bad leg, it's an ugly leg. I have a half a leg. And it would take me some time, physically, mentally, and spiritually, to accept that leg just the way it is, and in fact, love it. Because it is my weakness that gives me strength. In my weakness, I find strength. And when I was finally at the end of my rope with my leg, rejecting myself, who's ever going to love me? I would recite this prayer often. We don't know how many times you have to say it because that's what the seventh step is. It's just a prayer. Because God is the remover. I can't remove my defects of character. I can't remove my negative thinking. Only God can do that. So I have my defect of character and my negative thinking. And then I have an action. We think, feel, and choose. Think, feel, choose. I think, feel, God's in the middle. I choose God. There's got to be something between me and my defect. There's got to be something between me and the liquor. Well, I'm not going to make it. And I've had quite a few relapses. I did not drink or use drugs, but I emotionally relapsed a lot. One step forward, three steps back. Bumpy road. But God don't waste pain. All of that, you know, we won't wish to shut the door. You know, I don't regret my past. It is my greatest asset. So uh, it reads um, that God's going to have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove. I'm asking God for help in that moment. God, please remove this from every... Uh, remove ah, I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows so this is a recommitment on my third step I'm just recommitting right and he's not going to remove all of the defects of character just the ones that stands in the way of his usefulness because there has been a lot of my defects of character that I have seen that God has used. Mostly to grow me up from the inside out. It's a pruning process that has to happen. I talked about the third step, preparing the soil of my heart. The textbook is the bag of seed, right? 
And I had to do some weeding. I was actually doing weeding today. Did you know that there's some roots that go to other roots so that they could be stronger? And fear and selfishness is a lot like that. They team up. And you really got to get that out root and branch. It's, it's hard de-weeding, let me tell you. And they keep, it's not a one and done. I'm out there a lot, pulling, pulling out the weeds, pulling out the weeds so that everything can be beautiful. Right. So um, it says, grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. And billing, uh, grant me, that's a grace. We're asking God for grace. We're asking for this gift of strength, his strength, right? Strength in him, not in me, right? And um, to do your bidding. Well, I mean, it has three different uh definitions I chose the will his bidding is his will because I'm aligning my will with God's will remember I got this antenna my posture is humble open and it's like a radio station you know my antenna is up and I really got to dial in I remember having a AM FM radio when I was a youngster it was um I had gotten it for Christmas and it had a little 45 record player on it too because I loved music so much. It had these little yellow discs because it was a spout in there, a little yellow disc so that it would sit on it, right? But I carried that. It was like Linus's blanket. I had that with me all the time. Um, Cousin Brucey, 77. But if you didn't turn the dial just so, you'd hear static. You had to have the antenna just right and it's the, the dial right on the line so that you would be able to hear that the radio waves, right? Um, we're talking quantum physics here. <laughs> I don't understand quantum physics, but they're in operation. Just put on your television, right? So I have to really align my heart with God's heart. And, um, and I choose to do that. Free will... If you'd ask me what will is, it's choice. And God gives us that. That's what separates us from the animals. So I'm asking him to give me strength as I go out from here. So I'm on my knees. That means for me to do this eighth and ninth step. Right? And the eighth step is even smaller in the reading. Right? So right after... um, it says, as I go out from here to do your bidding, amen. Now, there's no amen at the third step. The amen comes at the seventh. So we have a body of work. I've been praying, really, my, um, a walking prayer during this time period, and I don't know it. God does not need my permission, but he does need my cooperation. So I become a cooperator with God. That's awesome. You know, God is... Um, the most beautiful creator, right? And I get to co-create with God my life. That's a pretty cool thought. I just have to be willing and align my will, so my thinking, with his thinking. I have to be concerned about the things that God is concerned about. I find that when I'm focused on God, my life gets taken care of. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all will be added unto you. You know, Socrates said, the unexamined life is not worth living. 
And I agree with that. Because I didn't know who I was, what I was, until I came here and did this body of work. And it would take me some time. You know, I'm still learning. And I don't mind that. That's why I love the women that I get to work with. There's a lot of angels out here. I recently lost my husband. And AA showed up again in a mighty, mighty way. I couldn't have done it without you. And so I'm praying for the strength to get up off my knees and do this eighth and ninth step. I need his strength because there's a lot of fear attached to this ninth step. We lose a lot of them in four and nine. In fact, I did steps one through nine and a half. And that's where I went. I scrolled through the steps backwards and I fell into untreated alcoholism. At five years sober, I was dying. I had lost my leg around three years sober. I was asked to leave my house and I became homeless. And that's all untreated. I was living foul. You can't be in a spiritual program and live foul. It doesn't work. The spiritual life is not a theory. You have to live it. So it says, now we need more action. Really? <laughs> it feels like I did a whole lot of work. I didn't do anything. <laughs> without which we find that faith without works is dead. So what does that mean? Right? I'm doing all these prayers. You know, I got this practice going, love God, this emotional prayer. But I'm not doing any, I'm not helping any of his kids. That just lays right on the floor. It's like a tin can. You show me someone with a lot of faith, I'll show you someone with a lot of good works. So it says, let's look at steps eight and nine. So here's step eight. It says, we had a list. Bill seemed to love lists. And I love lists too. The fourth step, I love when it says, um, for it held the keys to our future. It really holds the keys to the kingdom. It does. It holds the keys to the kingdom because you will be set free. I was held captive in my own body by my thoughts. I was sleeping with the enemy. I didn't know that. I didn't know that I could change that with God's help. I thought that's just the way everyone lived. I don't know. Right? And I just recently found out that your brain and your mind are two different things. And with God's help, if you control the brain, uh, control the mind... Your brain will be fine. That's a whole other story for a different day. So, <laughs> we have a list of all persons we have harmed and to whom we are willing to make amends. There's that willingness again. And a lot of times when we're writing, you know, it's like, I, I don't want to, no one asked you to make the amends right now. This piece, this portion of it is where. We sit with God reflectively. This is not like a laundry list. This is not a supermarket list. The way that I did it was um, I went into a secret place. Uh, I made a ceremonial for me. I like atmosphere. I have candles. I got out um, what mistakes did I make and the harms that I caused them. Uh, me and my sponsor, we sort of generated an amends list. Because she was like, do you, you know, when we were doing the fifth step, do you think you owe that person amends? But there was some that I was digging my heels in. Like, no, I'm not going. But over time, God will 
soften your heart. And I believe that there was a circumcision of my heart during this time period. And he pulled back the foreskin. And, you know, I came in here with the heart of stone. And, um, and God just pulled that foreskin back. And my heart started to breathe life into me again. I began to get resurrected. Right? Revived. Restored. And I got free in the eighth step. Just by sitting there and really contemplating. Like if I was that person, just swapped the, the story around. And they did that to me. Like, how would I feel? You know? And um, so I got busy with writing that list. And um, it says, we made it when we took inventory. So they tell you, like, it's a no-brainer. You don't have to figure anything out. You, you got, you, you're going to get most of your list from the inventory. We have harms other than people that were not on my resentment list and people that were not on my sex conduct list. Um, my son's nana they owned a coffee shop and we kind of, we did the barter system she would watch my son while i went and i worked on uh fifth avenue in the in, uh, clothing industry for a while and uh on thursday friday and saturday so she would watch him but then during the week i would uh man the coffee shop and uh i started stealing from the till twenty dollars thirty dollars you know, and the way I uh, justified it in my head was her grandson, my baby's father, is not giving me a penny. So somebody's got it. The family's got to give it to me. Like, this is the distortion. You know, that's how I made it okay. And she was on my harms other than. Um, I'm just going to read one more sentence and then I think I'm out of time. So I was hoping to get through maybe one amends, but that'll have to wait. Um, So it says, we made it when we took inventory. We subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal. Now we go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. So, so far, steps one through eight, I haven't even gone out yet. This has been between me, God, and my sponsor. So I'm going to have to put into practice what we've been talking about here. So uh, I had a lot of fear. Um, I came in here with a lot of fear, and now there's even more fear because now I got nothing to anesthetize me except, you know, these prayers with God. And, you know, I'm going to have to take some more. This is, these steps are tutoring my spirit. They're showing me how to rely on God. They're showing me how to trust God because believing in God and trusting God are two different things. And this is how the steps tutor our spirit. Thank you for letting me share. Let's thank our speaker, Karina. She gave us some real quantum physics tonight. And uh, could we have a secretary's report? Is Joey here today? Hey, Joey. Hello, everyone. I am uh, Joey, and I'm your recovered alcoholic secretary. Hello. Uh, in keeping with the seventh tradition, which states every group shall be, here we go, uh, shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, we have some members pass around the baskets. 
as they're doing so, I've asked uh, um, a, a tremendous human being, one of my favorite people, Andrew, to come up and read the recovered statement. We read this notice. Oh, yeah, Andrew, thank you. We read this notice to explain why many people in this group identify as recovered rather than recovering and what exactly means to be a recovered alcoholic. No one better to do so than Andrew. Please welcome him. Thank you. Hello, family. I'm a uh, recovered alcoholic. Name of the problem is Andrew. Uh, recovered. We are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered but not cured? That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for a lifetime, but we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body, page 23. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Thank you, sir. All right. 1940 style big book sponsorship from the forward of the second edition Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sobered once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75-plus percent success rate, which is a beautiful thing. Um, but if there's anyone here that would need a sponsor, um, feel free to raise your hand. Beautiful. So at the end of the meeting, if you just line up here, someone would come and help you out. So... Thank you. And now, any recovered alcoholics? One of these lovely people. And then you two can come together, and then God will do the rest. Easy. All right. Um, thank you. Uh, all right. So now we have uh, my favorite part, the announcements. A-O. Um, all right. So AA Intergroup is where you can come buy AA-related literature and medallions. It's also responsible for our where and when. Scheduling the hotline and stop by and pay them a visit. Next one. BCIC is responsible for bringing meetings into places where people like us can't get out to an AA meeting, such as jails, detoxes, rehabs. They meet monthly to organize these meetings at the 12-step house. Is anyone from BCIC here? No? That's okay. Stop over um, 12-step house and pay them a visit if you'd like to get involved. All right. So we do have some volunteer opportunities and, like, big events coming up, um, banquets and uh, planning meetings. Got to love them. For uh, more insight, um, we do have some flyers um, in the back there for you. All right. Karina D., this has been an absolute pleasure. Sorry, there you are. Thank you so much. Um, we get you for one more week. Very grateful for that. Um, Joe B. will be um, starting uh, beginning of October, so we're excited for that as well. My upstairs, third floor, uh, big book study, another one of my home groups, really tremendous. Go through the book page by page and um, really get a lot out of it, and I've been going to it for quite some time. So.
So beautiful. Um, that is it for the announcements. Um, we do have CDs, mugs, large room, big books, little red books, and big book dictionaries for sale. If you're still wondering, yes, we still have them for sale. If you want to pick any of those up, please see one of the home group members. Be happy to help you out. We do meet every Thursday, probably starting at 7.15. Come early for some cookies and good fellowship at 6.30. We ask you to be courteous and ready to begin at the sound of the bells. Thank you all. See you next week. Thank you, Joey. I want to thank uh, Corinna D. for uh, speaking tonight. After, give, us, give her another hand. And, and uh, afterwards, if you line up right in the, the middle aisle there, we can uh, shake her hand and tell her how much we enjoyed her speaking tonight. Um, we have tonight's sessions and all past speakers on podcast at alcoholicsandgod.org. Invite everyone to come to our Monday night big book study. It's up on the third floor at 7.15. And if we could sit in our chairs and close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Find the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Can't get it right It doesn't matter
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go.
turn each way, flowers blooming all the time right outside my door. song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye.
Brazil, you're where. Just won't set me free. Okay.